0: Hey, that's Cody
1: and this is Stephanie James
0: and you're listening to Topa Topa
1: Talk. Talk. Ooh. Ooh. Oh wow, spooky
0: today <laughs> on this episode. We interviewed Lauren Duke. She is a yoga educator. She owns a co-op in San Diego uh, gathering Sanitas. She
1: she has a book coming out called, a called a Shit coming House. Out. probably next year. It sounds really interesting and the conversation that we got into was one of the most captivating conversations I've ever been a part
0: Yeah, Lauren, the reason I wanted to bring Lauren on is because she has this really awesome way of being super fun and light and interesting, but like getting down and dirty with the facts.
1: And God, her conversation skills, it's just saturated with, you know, it's just, I'm so, yeah, she's a fascinating human being. Yeah, so
0: we talk about why... Yoga is important. How it can help with physical trauma. We talk about her writing in that process. We talk about the power of self-reflection.
1: We talk about a lot, and I'm excited to share it with you all. So let's do it. Let's do it.
2: But I mean, I mean nothing is off limits for me. Any questions you want to ask me? Everything for me is a basically a way to investigate whether it's yoga, whether it's writing, whatever it is, that's it's like self-examination, self-confrontation. So yoga tends to be less interesting for me right now, um, only because I've been doing it for so long and it's like become my career and I'm shifting with my book. So like, I'm yeah, really in that.
0: I think what I could, what the way we can talk about yoga to make it less boring is like, I think I'll just talk about my experience in your <laughs> yoga class yeah. and some of the things that I've learned from you. And then I think that'll give you the opportunity to talk more about
2: those things. But yeah. then also we'll just like switch to writing yeah. It is a huge, I mean, yoga is like, I can't, the funny thing is, is I've written my, my book four times. So now I'm like, right. I literally just got to page 200 today on my fourth draft. But like, this is the draft. And it it, I I kept trying to skate around yoga because everyone is like, oh, you're writing a yoga book. I'm like, fuck, no, it's not fucking yoga book. Because when you think of yoga, you think of self-help book. And I don't want to be the person that, you know, that's not what I'm trying to write. I'm trying to write my story. And you're writing your story. And through doing that is like your self-exploration. Well, everything for me is self-exploration. Yeah. Um, but yoga, contemplative practice, all that is self-exploration, but certainly when you write something four times and you have to look at it over and over and over and over, you can't help but look at your shit.
1: It's Talk- looking in a mirror. Yeah. yeah. Tell yeah. us
2: about how everything you do is self-exploration.
0: Mm. Like what does that mean? Cuz I actually really connect with that, but I want to know more of why you feel that way.
2: Yeah, I would say um can you, are we good on this? We're doing. Thing? This? We're just okay, going, we're yeah. going. Yeah. Um it really wasn't until my mid 20s where I started to recognize these like demonic patterns in relationship for me and how I was self-sabotaging everything, how I was wired for chaos, like just interesting things, you know, the stuff from my parents. Like I started to see my mother and my father and everything I was doing and I was just ruining everything I was doing and So I realized if I wasn't, if I didn't start actually putting my own behaviors under a microscope, I was going to dismantle everything good that I could ever possibly have. So now, I mean, everything i do hiking hiking is like people ask me if i want to go hiking no i don't want to hike with you i want to hike by myself
1: (laughs) that's your time
2: that is my time yeah and i hang out with my dog and we're up in the mountains for hours and i get to process my experience and i get to process my day and i have all sorts of shit going through my head you know i run my business down in encinitas and writing my book and being married. I mean, it's just like, there's it's always- constant. Oh, and it never ends. That- for all people though. Well, know?
0: yeah, I feel like that's one of the biggest things that I've been able to take into my life is like, I, a self-reflection for me is, has set me free in like so many ways, but it can also be a little bit deterring.
2: Yeah, it can be a little unproductive for me sometimes Well, it can be unproductive for everyone because I had an experience several years ago where I was going through um, pretty serious psychotherapy trauma therapy And I actually came up here like right in the middle of it. Maybe I'd been in it for like six months And we came up here my husband and I we tried to have a weekend. This was before we had a house up here So I think we were like staying at an airbnb or something And the whole weekend I had chronic anxiety, like I was having panic attacks the whole Mm. time. When I got back, we actually had to leave early. And when I got back, my therapist was like, you're doing too much work. You have to actually metabolize the work before Mm. like you've stirred your pot and now you need to let the pot settle so you can actually digest what's happened to you. So- How do you let this pot settle though? That's like a hard, that's a hard practice. Well, a lot of people are really, really extreme, especially people who have um, extreme addictive personalities. So there's like pendulating one side to the next, you know, um,
1: <laughs> most me. people. Me, right. <laughs> um,
2: so I think it takes conscious, like a conscious effort to not go so hard. And I went like my, I did my first yoga teacher training when I was 19 years old. And then like my entire 20s, just like one training after the next, after the next, after the next. And actually, I'm still like in trainings. But it's interesting because the last few years with the writing, I've realized I can't be doing so much training because there's already this piece over here that I'm working with and processing and deconstructing that when I'm also now going into I've been doing this somatic experiencing training, which is a a psychology training essentially of to unwind trauma from the body mm. then all of that the the confluence of everything ends up spinning me out so for me i i have to force myself to stop and i don't know that um i'm a very disciplined person and not most most people are not yeah. as disciplined as I am. Yeah. I am actually probably the most disciplined person that I know. Yeah. Like really?
0: that's my yeah. word of the year this year actually. It's discipline. discipline. Is Ugh. every time I feel like I'm being weak in my ideas or my like my I have these visions, you know, these things I want to complete or this person that I want to become and it's like every day I can work towards that goal using discipline or I can stray further away from it. So it's like when I feel like I'm straying further away from it, I try to remember that word because I feel like that word is not intimidating to me, at least discipline is like repetition and it's showing up for yourself and like doing the work over and over again. Right. At least that's how I see it. Yeah. And so I feel like there's a lot of like motivational words that are thrown around and everything that can kind of be empty, but like discipline to me, like makes so much sense.
2: Yeah. But if also, if you actually just look at like the meat and potatoes of the word, what's the word? Disciple oh so it really comes from and i'm not like that's not like something i've ever really thought about maybe right. i've thought about it at some point and, like use it as a theme and something that i do but like a disciple is someone who is reverent and respectful and devoted so like if you want to create anything in your life, you have to embody the qualities of a disciple. Damn. You know, it's like, and, fuck. And straight up. <laughs> straight up. <laughs> you know, wow. so and also I think that the challenging thing, I think, particularly right now with social media, is that with all of the influencers and we're like, we're looking at other people's lives, like, oh my gosh, I want to be doing that. So we have these goals. We're setting these <laughs> goals for ourselves. And then the interesting thing is, is we miss what's right in front of us. Like Mm. today I was listening to a podcast and I mean, we all do this, you know, because that's actually the nature and the mechanism of the mind to just go from one thing to the next. Yeah. The podcast I listened to to today, they were saying that 47% of the time your mind is wandering. Mm -hmm. Wow. That means 47% of the time you're not actually paying attention to what's right in front of you.
1: And it's sad. And it's sad that (laughs) we've we've almost gotten so much more. Used to, I mean, I used to take a lot of pictures of my food, for instance, mm. and one day it literally clicked. I mean, when was the last time I posted a picture of food? Mm. Never, because I, one day it clicked that I'm like, God, my food it like has been sitting here. I've arranged it in such yeah. a way that it's ridiculous. It's, it's, contrived. it's been sitting out for a half hour yes. so I could get the perfect shot of it. It's stupid. In fact, I have a friend, adore her, but we went to Papa Lennon's the other night, and it's dark out. And she's like, oh, should I put a flash on and take a picture of my pizza? And I went, is not going to taste all right if you don't share it?
2: Yeah. And it's not like it's not real if you don't share it, you know, no, it's, you post it, yeah. I think, too, when you whatever to teach their own. But like, I think when you're constantly thinking about like your audience or what people are mm-hmm. going to think, it really takes away from the opportunity to like, really actually experience the magic of what's right in front of you, which uh-huh. is food, Yeah, something that we've been conditioned to think is unimportant, right? And it's so fucking important, you know? And and there's actually so much science around like gratitude practice with food and like Mm -hmm. doing energy work on your food before you ingest your food. And then the way that your body metabolizes the food when you do some when you have some sort of practice beforehand versus like, you know, taking a picture of something and your body's producing all of these neurochemicals because you start thinking about are people gonna like this? You get insecure, you get I mean it's just like right. yeah,
0: I I got so frustrated <clears throat> on New Year's Eve. I was watching this someone one of my someone I follow on Instagram She was like at a New Year's Eve party and it was like every second of the party she was storing. And then the ball drop happened and balloons were falling everywhere and her husband was trying to like give her a New Year's kiss. And she was too fucking wrapped up on her story to enjoy that moment with her husband. Like it's 2020, we're coming into a new decade. You're in a beautiful party. You're with people you care about. You will not give your husband the time of day to give you a a genuine like moment kiss. I I, like broke my heart, but also made me really upset. But we also just interviewed this gentleman, Samuel, Hagen, and we were talking about the the act of slowing down that that to act of like slowing down and actually looking at things and processing them. And he feeling doesn't them. even
1: own a phone. He, he was borrowing his girlfriend's oh, phone to just get oh, around. He's just
0: a rambling man. He's well, from, okay, yeah. does he own a business? Kind, kind of. of. How do you own
2: a business if you don't have a girlfriend? His girlfriend. He's got a good care of. <laughs>
1: takes good care of helping. She emailed us about him. He was such an interesting human being because he was very fully present in the moment but also contemplative about his experiences rather than wondering what's next and yeah. what's the next big thing that will get me this flashy attention these likes these comments i didn't give a shit about it. he doesn't even have an instagram he doesn't we, know what likes we are, are not promoting him for anything other than he was just a cool person to talk to man like it yeah. was really cool
2: yeah i love that too and and i just think it's important like That we actually, I feel like I wasted my entire 20s worrying about what I was going to be and then it fucking just went by like that and now i'm 37 which like i feel younger and hotter than ever in my whole life and healthier <laughs> because the older you get the more you learn about what your body actually wants and doesn't yeah. want you and know
1: especially if you listen to it like you do absolutely you know? It's
2: totally and i exercise every day and i'm not out like getting drunk every night it's like i'm aging in reverse a little bit because yeah. i look at pictures from my 20s and i'm like anyhow. You know, you're that's, literally that's glowing a whole other, right now Jesus that's Christ. it's amazing i have oily skin and coconut oil on my skin so that's but like you are and i'm wearing glowing. bronzer but. <laughs> you're very clearly you a
1: very healthy individual i oh, mean you were just sitting you. on stephanie's kitchen counter before we oh, recorded and i was just stunning. for a moment while you're just sitting there i'm thinking and i know you're a yoga instructor and all but i'm like that is a flexible woman who can like compact herself onto like a like kitchen counter like an elf on a shelf i was thinking of myself trying to sit on the counter like that and i'm like how many things would i break
2: oh trying
1: to just get my leg in that position oh you should see me
2: when i drive i actually have my leg out the window while i'm driving the cart not the window right here but actually the window right no it's just like i don't know that it feels good stretching yeah it just kind of feels good and now it's not even like intentional i just it just you just do it it. just happens yeah exactly how
1: long have you been doing i know you said that you You began when you were 19, working on getting your yoga.
2: Yeah, I started doing... Well, first of all, let me just back up here for a second. Let's go back. So people call me a yoga instructor. No, I'm not a yoga instructor. I'm an educator of yoga. There's a big difference because like, most people out there are yoga instructors. Uh That's not what I do. I actually educate people and I teach people. I'm like a real teacher and I take it very seriously. Because from my experience with my past, like this is the work and I've seen it firsthand in my own mind my own brain my own neurology like mm-hmm. this is the work that actually has the potential to address the mental health crisis that we're all experiencing yeah
0: well that's what um, i love taking your class like i do feel like i'm actually learning it's not just like we're doing these stretches and then you leave <laughs> mm. during your thing you you want us to be extremely mindful of how each move is making shifts in our body and then you also explain the like the metaphysical things that are happening inside of us when we do those changes oh, I love that. so yeah. that's not
2: not just metaphysical Physiological physiological, Real. My bad I don't know what <laughs> Physiological I don't know what any of these words are I'm just throwing now, around No, metaphysical too But I've actually moved kind of away From some of the metaphysical stuff Because it feels so abstract Versus yeah. I've gotten really into the science of things Because what I have learned Is that if you explain to people What they're doing Why they're doing it why it benefits them, how it's going to affect their body, how it's going to affect their mind, how it's going to land in the long term, they're more likely to turn it into a habit versus not having any information and just doing it one time and never doing it again. Like We want these things to become who you are not just you do this thing one time, you pay attention for 60 minutes and then walk away and you feel good, but then you never know how to recreate that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why I really like the word like yoga practices or any like sort of practice,
0: because it's kind of like, that's what it is. If you don't take it home and use it in your daily life, then how is it really benefiting you in a long-term way? And that's what I like about your class is that it really feels like, okay, remember this stretch because this is doing this and that's why I would want to do it again Yeah, yep. is to reset these like sinners
2: in your body. And yoga really for me has just become a platform to talk about things that I find really interesting. So even though like I just came home and my dear little stepdaughter girl, stepson's girlfriend, she teaches at my studio and they're doing this like they're like 22, uh-huh. but they're doing a new, uh, like a, they do women's circles every month and they, they call in, basically people their age you know like young girls and i list i was listening to her talk to her friend about what they're going to and it was like that's what i was talking about when i was their age but it's it is so abstruse to think that anyone you know they're talking about like i love astrology i love all these things but like when it really comes to the practicality and pragmatism of things sometimes the things that are really metaphysical and esoteric You can't actually figure out how to apply this into your normal life. So it was cute listening to them talk about like the chakra centers and they're like, I don't talk about that anymore because it doesn't land with everyone. You know, actually, it turns people off from yoga. I think that... Not that I think we should make yoga secular, but I do think that we need to start the teachers need to start being more educated so they can educate people about what's actually happening. Yeah. When you place your hands a certain way, when you breathe a certain way, when you lift your leg a certain way, when you pay attention to a certain thing, because straight up it's a mindfulness practice. And the mindfulness practice has the potential to change your brain, change your life.
1: Yeah. And you I know mean, the, the human body is so fucking incredible. Mm. That it's science and the physiological aspect of all of this is just as if not more fascinating than the metaphysical side of it. Because, you know, I'm very spiritual. I'm very metaphysical. I love all that. But at the end of the day you have cold, hard evidence and proof of these scientific things that are benefiting your body when you do things like you teach. Yeah. And that's really magic and kind of amazing.
2: Well, and that's, okay, so here's the thing is like, I, the, my first, um, intoxication with the practices was actually about the magic. You know, it was about the archetypal stories and the Hindu philosophy and, you know, just all of the mythology and the imagination. That's what drew me in. I, but what happened was I, when I wanted to, re- when I was feeling spun out or when I was feeling anxious, I didn't know how to use those imaginative mm-hmm. stories, wow. how do I, a- to actually take care of myself? Mm-hmm. I think storytelling is, I mean, it's ancient. I think it's so important. I think sharing story is really important, but I just couldn't figure out how to apply it in a real. Like, I was having a fucking hard time. I had PTSD. I was having. I couldn't. I couldn't drive my car actually at all. Um, I had been in a car accident. Like, just so many things had happened, and I was like, okay, how do I use? You know, these things that are really imaginative that feel um enchanting yeah to actually get me to be able to drive my car through la traffic to like carry on with my life right you know and i couldn't i couldn't figure it out so i turned to science i turned to things that could be proven but first i had to go through therapy and my therapist tell me what was actually happening to me do you still feel like
1: you have a balance between those two world's scientifical Scientific, Scienti-
2: Scienti- Scienti- scientific, <laughs> New word. I'm scientific. Sci-
1: scientific and magical. Like, do you have like a a balance of the two? Or are you strictly?
2: Oh no, you have to. Yeah, you have to, because there's some things that science can't prove that you just feel that you know, like that you just know. like exactly. Like, how can can science measure love? No one can even define right. what love is. Like, right. what the it's fuck still is a big love? question for scientists. It's just like, what is all of this? Yeah. You know, like what sure they you can look at i just watched this um show the other day movie it's so funny it's called the female brain and oh, they okay. basically break down love into neurochemicals dopamine oxytocin serotonin mm-hmm. endocab- endocannabinoids but it's like that strips the love from right it, rather. It's no longer it's not, interesting. exactly exactly yeah. so like there's things and 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 so you can't really everyone has their own definition of love and mm-hmm. great cool and then also the other thing is um we can't define god and and people need maybe not need but what i find is the, a lot of people want something to believe in and yeah. and yes. that doesn't matter what the maybe it's A certain god or maybe it's nature i actually the more i learn i don't even know what i believe anymore because i've learned so much that i'm like who fucking knows (laughs) i started off over here there's like a man in the sky and you know he's like you get on your knees and he's like you're going right you're going left like that's really what i believe (laughs) and then like the more i've educated myself and i've studied all sorts of different things i'm just kind of like who knows whatever have you, you got to believe believe because if it keeps like, you going cool optimistic
1: nihilism have you ever heard of that
2: sure well i know what optimism is and i know what nihilism is so i'm just putting it together It's, right. Which it's is like, like it kind of feels like a um what's that called a like those two things don't go together well that's they're the thing it's contradictory it's, they're contradictory yeah.
1: but they're also it's more it's like a state Oxymoron. of mind it's a state of mind of feeling like you know like in the grand scheme of things, this doesn't matter. So let's just have a good time.
2: <laughs> a, yeah. And you know, the funny thing is, is I went through, I read a book about nihilism and then I was like, maybe I'm a nihilist. And then that actually felt a
1: little bleak. Because it takes the light and the happiness exactly. and the It so takes the like, magic out of it. Exactly. you needs to be both. So like yeah. optimistic nihilism is something I've been like researching. And it is like that of like, we don't remember our moments before this existence, we may not know our moments after this existence. So why don't we just love, have a community, enjoy ourselves, laugh, dance, sing until it's over.
2: Well, and that's the thing is I've just gotten to the point where that's what it's all about. Yeah. And so even this idea, just to go back to what you were saying, and this is like such a hard practice to do because we're so like conditioned to like produce and become this thing down the line, even though like who knows you might get hit by a car and die tomorrow, right? But like, I think it's important. We're just going to pull it full circle around now Um, to be disciplined, to be able to get <laughs> us to where we want to go. Uh-huh. But like, we can't forget that where we are right now, like, this is this is perfect. This is awesome. This is amazing. Like, this is it because literally, and that is kind of one of the inquiries that for me has come out of yoga over and over again, is this is it. It's, it's called Om Tat Sat, which means this is it. And this is it. This is it. This That's is all it. all have. This In moment. every moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because this really is it. And I think that that is an important <clears throat> thing to remind yourself of all the time. Like when you're with your friends and then all of a sudden you're like, I should be working right now. Or it's like, but this is it this is so it. if you just have like oh, a few more that. minutes or like a few more moments who do you want to spend them with and do you want to be worrying about some shit that's not even happening yet well yeah I'm, or already happened i feel like whatever yeah yeah and there's I, no there and there's no there right so and what I had do they a huge say awakening. if you have a leg
1: on the past and a leg on the pr- on the future you're pissing on the present
2: oh Ooh, that's I like interesting that. yeah, I, was, I thought i for some that's reason so i just fair. thought like your dick is Now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well,
0: I had had an awakening this year that I've always been so future-minded to a fault that it's always like, let's sacrifice the now for the future. Wait, are your parents like successful professional people? They are, you work very, very hard and then you die kind of people. Well, of course. So um, my whole life has been this structure to get very linear success and to climb the success, the ladder of success, make money, get healthcare, have kids, da, 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 da. You know what I mean? So I finally had this awakening inside myself last year that I was like, Hissing on the now You know yeah. And like I was just like So miserable now And I was like I just need to work this job For two more years Save the money So I could buy a house And like Then I'll be happy And then I'll be happy And then I'll be happy And then I'll be happy And, be happy. Yeah. and it's like Well fuck that Like Why am I think? not happy now Well yeah. and that
2: Because we're We're culturally conditioned To bel- To, to not, produce yeah, more Exactly So when I quit My big girl job
0: And took a really fun job We're making enough money to live I'm working on my projects Like I'm working on myself I'm working on that Discipline to get to where I want to go And it's like I for some reason Still feel like I have to protect Myself or explain myself or defend myself On that to people certain people who don't have Like the right mindset but at the Same time it's like It's now
2: yeah it's true but It's like it's also the challenging Thing is is We're just Conditioned that way like even the most Even people that are like The most present like right here right now People I don't know. They might actually be wondering what you're working towards, you know? It's yeah. like we can't help it. Like that's right. the nature of the mind. Wait, one one thought here. That's cookie. It's okay. Um, should I put her in the car? No. Okay.
1: She's if there's wondering. dogs barking, there's I don't think they'll hear it, okay. but I don't all think right. we'll hear it. All
2: right. Shut up, Cookie. Bye. Cookie, we love you. Cookie, you all have you a dog have back, is back now, there. Cookie. Yeah, she's so cute. She's don't worry so cute. About it. She's probably like, "Wait, what? Where am I?" But anyhow, okay, go on. Sorry. What
1: what is a if you have one, what is other than this beautiful mantra you just shared with us? What is a way that you can pull yourself back into the present moment personally if you find yourself getting caught up a little bit?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I am someone who struggles with a um chronically frenetic nervous system and i've had mm, i'm kind of wired for craziness and so my nervous system it tends to be really really up like constant buzzing um which not everyone is like that some people are down like i've never experienced anxiety right i've only experienced i mean i've never experienced depression i've only experienced i'm like okay. up up, up. Uh-huh. so um i go to the breath that's like my always my go to. Um, and for me, the anxiety comes up. There's a few like real serious triggers. Uh, one is the freeway in LA. It's just like so challenging for me mm-hmm. um and then also airports like s- small and spaces with a lot of people where i feel trapped essentially yeah. this is like most people right it's like the more i talk about this the more interesting it yes becomes no. because you know but a lot of people struggle with traffic anxiety so like the more i talk about it the more i realize i'm not alone in this which is really powerful for me because i think i had a lot of shame around it for a long time because I was embarrassed that I was a yoga teacher that was, had really bad anxiety, you know, um, mm-hmm. because the idea of the yoga teacher is that you're supposed to be this, you know, whatever, exalted being over here. And right. I, I'm a faker.
1: <laughs> it's that imposter syndrome you know? everybody gets. Yeah,
2: know? I'm just like I'm just like a normal person that actually like really finds an impact of the the practices of yoga. But um, I go to a very particular breath, and the cool thing about the breath, the more that you understand about the breath and what it actually like, what breath techniques do this versus what breath techniques do this. Um, it there's a really deep breath that you take where you fill up your pelvic bowl so basically you push your breath all the way down so you can almost like like you inhale if you bring your hands even lower like even lower yeah and you inhale as much as you can and it's and it's so hard right because the breath doesn't move there okay i hope
1: everybody's doing this pressure it's like
2: you it's you breathe basically between the two hip bones and the pubic bone that little diamond that little diamond, which actually in Taoist, Texas called the sea of vitality. So it's really super low. And you inhale right into that place. And it's so physical. Wow. You feel that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's so physical that you cannot think about anything else except for that breath.
1: Sure enough. Yeah. Straight up. So
2: it's like it pulls you out of whatever it is, whatever the story is that is perpetuating the physiological response in your body. Mm -hmm. And then it's forcing you into right here right now also there's another um there's a, a a series of other things that are actually happening inside your body from the bottom up that actually calm your nervous system when you do
1: that breath i'm gonna i'm gonna put that in my back pocket it
2: really yeah. works because
1: i i struggle with i struggle with a lot of anxiety high manic anxiety and low depression where i cannot get out of bed cannot respond to a text have the other time I'm not responding to texts because I'm busy cleaning my apartment with a Q-tip Just like <laughs> do you know what I mean like that's Ooh, the
2: perfectionism truth. huh
1: it's just either perfectionism Ooh. or just like food wrappers on my bed in my bed cannot mm. get out of bed do you know what I mean it's, it's very extreme opposites so you know i'm always trying to fish for ideas of how to cope with these things come to my
2: yoga class yeah i can give you all sorts of because it's like straight up for those sorts of things you Uh know because we're all struggling with them it's just that we're not talking about them we're talking about the things that feel pretty and even on social media you know now people are like coming out and they're like you know taking videos of themselves crying which like for me fucking stop it already like some things really actually need to be sacred we don't need to share every single thing we Mm -hmm. do need to have some moments for our themselves. um i don't even know where i was going with that but but i, I feel like yeah. this was the first year that i've ever taken therapy which is a bummer should have been doing
0: it a lot sooner but oh well you got to yeah. do it when you do whatever it. you find it when you find it yeah and I, my therapist was able to put my physical anxiety into triggers and ptsd for my childhood yeah and and being able to like pinpoint that was Mind blowing because to me, like I was strong, I didn't care, those things didn't affect me. I've moved on, I've moved away. I'm here now, like I've never dealt with anything. So, yeah, I've always you're just you're not it, just here now, by the way, right? You're not, <laughs> I'm not. as you we've come to find <laughs> yeah. out, actually. Yeah, and so she was like, I was explaining all these issues I was having at work, and she was just connecting them, kept making the connections to my past yep. and how those triggers. And so, like, being aware of what is triggering. Is like yep. kind of daunting, but it's actually the most powerful thing. No, ever. it's what
2: everyone should be doing because when you, need you to figure out what your triggers are, um, and people need to be doing some sort of therapy, and not necessarily like for for maybe it's not psychotherapy for everyone. Maybe it's like the start really is they go to a yoga class, and all of a sudden they move some shit around, and then they feel something they've never felt before, and then they're calm, and something new comes up, and then they you know, I don't know, connect the dots from something that's happened before and it helps them for the first time integrate their experience because that's what a therapist is helping you do. We are so full of so much and a therapist is basically helping you to distill your experience. They're like, oh, you're feeling this. Hold on. Let me just share this with you that you've shared with me about your past and let me help you make sense of this. Yeah. Wow. So a theris- therapist is just helping you make sense of your experience when only when you can make sense of your experience does your mind, because this is coming back to how phenomenal the body is, the, f- the mind can help you integrate that experience so it no longer is a trigger. Right. It's just like, that's just what happens. When you make sense of things, everything changes. So therapy is essential. I mean, this is why I do the writing. This is why I, you know, I'm doing the yoga, because it's really helping us organize our experience in a way where we can make sense of it. And that's what we want. You know, so when people are like, I don't really subscribe to this whole idea that like, Take the backpack of your past off and like, fuck it. You're right here, right now. And you're only, no, that's fucking bullshit because everything that you are is a culmination of everything you have been through. And there's a quote, and I can't even remember who said it, but it's the further back you go, the further forward you can see. Oh, and that is so Jesus. important because it's so true because Mm -hmm. the more you can understand about your history and your past and everything that you've been through the easier it is to see how that stuff starts to work its way into the narrative of your relationships your lives your personal narrative the story of your body the story of your psychology you know the story of your life so i think like okay so when particularly well with writing too but like when people come to yoga when you calm your nervous system, what is underneath the service surface automatically arises. But we are so con- we're so fast, yeah. and we busy ourselves, and we don't even it's realize it's we're it's doing chaos. it. It's just like what the mind does, right? This is what we do, and this is what our culture does, and so we just keep going more and more and more and more and more. We don't have a chance to actually think about who we are, what we've done, what we've been through. Like, dude, we need to give ourselves a break, you know? So, yeah. yeah anyway so, so talk to us a little bit oh sorry
1: well it just you know you so oftentimes hear people say let go of your past forgive forget but it's more like don't don't let go of it process it and you know use it to your advantage
2: yeah and i that's kind of how i feel i actually feel like integrated right integrated. integrated because that's been my process with the writing you know is the into is into after going through four series four drafts is like this is your first book This is my first book. Yeah.
1: Congratulations. Thank you. Very Um, exciting. Wait,
2: hold on. We have to stop this for one second. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to put Cookie in the car because otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. (laughs) <laughs> okay okay sorry that we were right in the flow there and i had to it's all good God,
1: it's been so fascinating those i know thing i'm like i love the brain and i like i just love this i can okay, go on about it. Yeah. Like nice about it
0: and that's the nice thing about self-reflection mm-hmm. is that that we the thing that's my like most exciting about it is that it's not daunting to me it's exciting that i have resources to better my life that i could feel better every day or in moments like it's really exciting
2: yeah that's all it is you know and so one, if I have one qualm with the yoga world is that we actually have made it too abstract and too hippie and that it actually prevents, there we go, um, it actually prevents a larger amount of people to be able to participate in it when really it's just resources and tools to be able to take care of your mental health
1: and no. and your physical health
2: but all and all of it is connected it's all a continuum it's like what's happening in the mind is playing out on the body and what's happening in the body is playing out in the mind you know your yeah. attitude is affecting your physical body your physical body is affecting your attitude so like the more again the more i've learned about even just the science of postures like how it can change your physiology there's this amy amy cuddy ted talk and she talks about how you can how you stand for two minutes and you stretch your arms all the way out uh-huh. and you like it's like a power pose. Think like like Wonder Woman. You can like yeah, put your your hands on your waist and you pull your shoulders back and you stand up nice and tall and you lift your chin and you hold that for two minutes and how it literally changes your physiology.
1: I read somewhere a because I'm constantly thinking about ways to fix my posture. I used to teach a workout class and um, with my sister, and I used to say ice water down your back is when I'd want people to have. A nice posture, like someone just poured ice water down your back. Yeah. I read one that was even better, though, recently, where someone said they need to work on their confidence or posture. And they decided everywhere they walk, they are going to imagine they're wearing a big, heavy superhero cape. And the moment you have that cape blowing in the wind behind you, your shoulders roll back, you puff your chest. You, your chin is up a little bit more. You immediately have more confidence. Oh, yeah. I love that. It's true.
2: It's not just confidence. It's actually neurochemicals. Like you stand a certain way and your body is producing a specific set of hormones that actually makes you feel stronger and braver, you know? So that's what I mean. The more like the more we understand about what this thing, the body is, and how it works the more we can use it to our advantage yeah you know so i mean it's just like anything it's like you couldn't use all of these toys that you have sitting right here on this table if they were just if you didn't have some education on it so i find it totally fascinating that like somehow we decided in grade school that like we should teach our kids some like subjective version of history and like fucking trigonometry and whatever else were to and then not teach people how to actually calm your body down or like function manage your fucking credit card. we don't allow children to have full range of emotions even we do not teach people
1: how to function and that's the (laughs) that's the tea mama like (laughs) think about it we like you said trigonometry all this bs that we learn in school we don't learn taxes we don't learn learn about credit card debt we don't learn about how our body really truly paying works. rent and what's P- a mortgage. P- I still P- don't know yeah. P- <sighs> either like we're going to run a mile know. today, but it's <laughs> physical education should be just that they should teach about the things that you teach about.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And even like, okay, so say you have anxiety, you go to that breath that I was saying, the uh-huh. pubic bone and um hip bone breath. Mm-hmm. I call it the four Oh five traffic breath because that's <laughs> like when that's you have a high spot. amount of, ang- but it's not even just like, that's what I call it because that is my trigger point right mm-hmm. there. But like, that's uh, you know, other people might have it when they go home and hang out with their family and all of a sudden they're like, okay, yeah. cool. Now I know what to do immediately to make myself feel better. And it's like, okay, so why are people addicts? Because they cannot tolerate their experience. It's not even like
1: they're coping, in it's the best a mental way they health can.
2: issue. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's i have i mean everyone in my family is an addict i mean literally everyone in my family is an addict yeah. and it i have so much compassion to them for them because i really understand actually what they're going through that it's that it is that it is dis-ease but that it's like a mental health
1: issue it's, there's real shit going it's on. absolutely mental it's not a choice issue.
2: actually it changes your biology and then mm. you need it my brother's a heroin addict my father's a heroin addict like my father died, but my brother actually is still. He just was in the, uh, a stint for like two and a half months. They found him in the Tenderloin in San Francisco and he had been shooting heroin into his dick and got a, a staph infection in his pelvis. And so we thought this was going to be the time that he's going to like get it together. Like this is real rock bottom. He can't mm-hmm. even walk. Nope. The right back out has it changes your biology yep. well, he also, cannot be normal yeah <laughs> well, unless how does dress. that
0: make you feel too like that
2: hope that like this is it that this was the last the last thing like do you still feel hope um no i i actually i think i'm pretty reflexive in that way because i've been dealing with this my whole life you yeah. know my father every time it was like he's gonna get it together and he is gonna go to rehab and he's gonna get better and he, and then my stepfather, same thing. He was a major alcoholic and um, actually ended up choosing alcohol over our family. Of course, and, they always do. Yeah, and, and, and it's, you know, it's, I, so for me, it's just kind of like, I actually expect that they won't get better now. I expect the worst. Mm-hmm. And if somehow it's a better scenario, awesome. But like I can't, I'm not gonna do the let myself down thing anymore.
0: Oh, it's such a roller coaster of emotions. I was just pulled into like this, au- just this August, uh, a really gnarly situation where it was like we were on a life saving mission. We drove up north. It was so fucked up. Oh wow! And like I <laughs> like got somebody in like a slight like chokehold situation to get them into a car. Like I, my body like the trigger it has to be negotiating with somebody who's under the influence that is an addict, like getting back there that I've been away from for like five years. I'm going to cry right now. It's like negotiating. I cannot negotiate with people anymore. Yeah. I'm like, and so you're going to put them in a chokehold.
2: Yeah. It's like, I'm done. That, yeah, well, it's exactly. just like,
0: it's like, and to go through that. And it was like, I was with a group of people that they're not necessarily my family, but like my adopted family. And, um, they're looking at me cause I've been through it so many times, but like, They looked at me with hopeful eyes and I'm like, you got to, you got to stop expecting like, you know what I mean? Like, sure. We, we got them out of the woods this time and we just extended their life maybe a little bit longer, but it's, it's, it's it's like heartbreaking to get into that situation again where you're negotiating with someone. And then I was like, I'm not negotiating. You're getting in the car. It's really
2: like, also you can't, people have their own karma to unfold you know and they can't see what's happening in front of them they're so you can't change it either they're they're
0: held so tightly by this thing and like getting to peace with
2: that is really hard the reality is too that like someone is and this is where it gets really tricky is um someone cannot get sober like fully sober because most people who are are really serious addicts have burned every single bridge because they've stolen from you they're i mean there's just So it's challenging to open up your heart space, open up your home space to someone who's an addict. But the only way an addict will get better is if they have people fully 100% that are going to support them. Yes. And And not enable them
1: and not put up with their bullshit.
2: No. And hold them accountable, but not alienate them. You know, whereas my brother is like he's burned every every bridge all He's been through so much too, like and he's never had therapy his he's my stepbrother, but his little brother when he was a little kid. He was playing hide and go seek with his brother and they were a year apart and he couldn't find his brother. And then they found his brother a few hours later and he actually had a brain aneurysm. Oh my God. And so like he always his whole life you people oh, it's a Brene Brown quote. She says people are hard to hate close up lean in and my brother like when you can see him in the context of everything he's been through it's so easy to be compassionate and it's easy to want to help um people won't get well unless they're surrounded by people who love them and believe in them but to be that strong person who's going to be there for an addict who's gonna fuck you up Mm -hmm. it's it's a double-edged sword because i want to help all the people in my family who are addicts but at this juncture in my life i'm just like they see me, they see my life, and they're like, they just want to take shit from me. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to put that boundary up. But that's what you got to do as like adulting. That's another thing that we should learn in like grade school is how to put up boundaries.
0: Yeah. straight and, up. <laughs> and a lot of times too, like in August, somebody was suggesting we take all the alcohol away. And I'm like, I don't really want him to go through shakes while I'm here. I'm sorry. That's not something I'm up for.
2: Yeah, it's like I'm not for here
0: for the fucking withdrawal. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's gnarly. It's so, and it's like I mean that seriously, that will kill them. Half- that will. will kill
2: them if you do that. I'm not here to, you know. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know that um alcohol uh withdrawal is actually worse than heroin, crystal meth, like it's the worst kind of withdrawal. Is actually alcoholism. It's really? It's kind of wild. Yeah. So
0: is that what your book is largely inspired by? Your like life experiences? Yeah,
2: it's funny because um so I've had people I had someone like last year like this old man and he's like, what could you possibly have to say? You're 35 years. Oh old. my god. Like, how, how could you write a memoir already? So <laughs> you lived
0: like 17. It, lives. I mean, we
2: all have though, <laughs> yeah. you know And the cool thing is that in one lifetime you can write 10 20 30 memoirs because we change our story changes Our themes change our experience change we grow we evolve and it's like each time you have a story with a new tone well yeah you look back on it differently now than you did five years ago absolutely but like so my book is called shithouse and (laughs) and people are like why is it called shithouse so when i was um 14 my father had been in prison he actually robbed a bank when i was like seven and a half eight ish years old and then he was in for um eight years And then when he got out, my mom decided I me and my sister were like really petulant and and really intense. My sister was already like full on addicted to drugs. I was doing a lot of drugs at this time, too. Um, I was doing acid, which is mellow compared to my sister yeah. who's doing crystal meth. Yeah, so it's <laughs> a bit different. I was like hallucinating, <laughs> and she was fucking raging. Um, and my mom had just kind of been fed up with us, so she told my dad, who I mean I hadn't seen this person in I'd eight only years. eight years. Yeah, he was in prison and, for eight years, and in the most developmental phases of my life, so I don't even know this person, right? And right. so my mom lets him actually move into our basement, and so he lives in our garage. And um, she just stopped coming home. She started staying at her boyfriend's house, and we called. It the shit house. That's what he called it. Actually, the basement of my house was called the shit house. Uh-huh. So that's why it's called the shit house. Um, and a lot of interesting things happened in the shit house. And I mean, it's obviously the story is like not just about the shit house. It's actually really about the anatomy of shame and where that comes from, you know, uh-huh. and the evolution of shame and how it plays out in our lives. It um,
1: controls us. In absolutely. A sense. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And um yeah. So. It's been an interesting experience going through writing this because the first time around, it was just something I couldn't hold in anymore. People are like, How did you end up writing a book? You just spewed. I literally could not hold in what was happening inside me anymore. It doesn't mean that, like, I had that's what this is why I think writing is for everyone. Like, it doesn't mean that I was like, I'm going to write a New York Times best-selling book. It was like, I cannot hold this shit
1: in anymore. I have to express this.
2: Yeah, and I need to put it somewhere that is not inside of me because what's happening inside of me is actually violent. And so I need to place it somewhere that feels slightly safe and, and organized. So that was the beginning i always wanted to be a writer which like is the next incarnation of my life like this is what i will be doing for the r- oh my god i have so many like amazing fucking ohi stories jesus the people you meet up here are ridiculous <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> um, and so the first the whole first draft was really just verbal diarrhea and i brought it into a writers workshop and it was with david Ulan of the new york times uh the la book review actually and he so I you have to get chosen for it. You let them read like 200 pages of your manuscript or something. So they read my manuscript and then they're like, okay, cool. And there was this group of eight writers and I go in and everyone is a published author but me. Mm-hmm. So automatically I'm like, I kind of go into shame though. You know, I'm which just is like, it's ironic Arr. because
1: of your your book is about that.
2: Yeah, well, and it's not ironic because I'm full of shame. So that's yeah. where this whole thing, who's not? Yeah. I mean, comes yeah. from, you know. So um I take it in and everyone in the workshop needs to read your manuscript, which is vulnerable to let, right? Yes. So afterwards, Everyone pretty much the consensus is the same, which is that I have the best stories and I'm the least experienced writer. Like I don't know how to write (laughs) my story. And I want to know how to write my story because I want to express this. Like in this process, I realize like, I really want to be a writer. Mm -hmm. But just like everything else, there's a technique. You know, it's like there's a technique to making a really good old fashioned. You know, you make it too sweet. You make it too sour. It's like this is perfect. It's right in the middle. You've perfected this technique from drinking a lot of old fashioned. (laughs) My bad. (laughs) Uh, It's really good. I want like 10 more. Um, But so I started working with um, this woman who's the literature professor at UCL. And she started teaching me the art of writing. And this is when shit gets real interesting, because the art and the craft of writing is really about the details. And you sculpt, you're basically like sculpting your piece of art, right? So it's like, you have the scaffolding of your story. Just Um, like you have the scaffolding of a house, you build, you know, the walls and the but it's like, what is it going to look like? What's going to be the style? What's going to be the primary colors? What are you going to fill it with? What kind of furniture? Because every house looks different. Right. And so this is the same situation. No, it's true. Like this is the situation with writing a book. Um, so I start doing these writing classes with her, just kind of one on one. And I also I'm extreme, and I read like every fucking great memoir out there, and I read like ten books on how on the craft of writing. And I went so like deep to the other side that in my first draft, they said, "Well, you certainly have a voice; you just don't know how to write," which is hard. That was hard to he- hear, but also at the same time, because it's not in yoga land. Like I'm an expert in yoga land, and I know I'm an expert in that is conveyed in every single class that i teach but over here i'm a total beginner and so there's something about that beginnerness actually it felt really good right? like i'm like it's shit freeing. i don't even have to be in like i can suck at this yes. it's just like that's yeah. why i like snowboarding too because i suck so bad at it that it's like i don't even try you to can pretend have like fun. yeah that's what i mean like i go up on the mountain i'm like see y'all at the lodge because it's going to take me like 4 hours to get down the mountain but you right totally enjoy it I totally enjoy it yeah so it's awesome to suck at things but um so in the so in the second draft, I then I started focusing too much on the craft. And so then when my editor read my second draft and it was only like 100 pages into my I only read 100 pages or something like that. And she's like, well, now nah, you lost your voice.
1: Yeah, it's, it's too pretty anymore.
2: It's too perfect. It's too flowery. Like, by the way, when you hear flowery shit, like I'm just kind of like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> you know, don't like, want to do it. No, I'm not. It's not even interesting, which is so interesting because all of these like writers of Instagram, like everything is so fucking flowery that I'm like, take a writing class. Come on, people, because it it does. It helps you expedite your experience of really expressing the nuances of what you're feeling, you know. So then um, my third draft, I didn't I couldn't figure out how to put I'm, I feel defeated at this point, by the way. So second draft was second year. And I'm like, fuck, I, d- I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't even know how to put all this together. I don't even know what it's about anymore, actually. I just like, you have to have a theme and it needs to weave throughout every single chapter and it has to actually come through in the inflection of the characters. Like, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. this feels really daunting, like yeah. undoable, actually. yeah.
1: Especially with such opposite critiques, both drafts.
2: Absolutely. And it's not just it's that. Confusing. It's like I'm also running a business simultaneously. And my business is ex- it's exhausting, you know, to mm-hmm. I own the co-op and I'm a public person and I'm constantly working with people. So to to be able to do all of that, like the nitty gritty shit, like answer emails all day long and like schedule rentals. And then over here, I'm trying to be a creative person. It's they're different mechanisms of the brain, you know, yeah. so it, it was really it's been very challenging, which is why it's taken since, whatever, 2015, you know, 2016. And you 2016. said
1: that this current draft, you're on the fourth draft, this is it. This yes. Is it. And what is the difference?
2: Wait, hold on. So I'm going to okay. get to this, third this draft. evolution. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't skip, we can't skip. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, okay um, don't jump ahead, don't jump ahead. All right, so um the third draft was I couldn't figure out how to put everything together. Like, for some reason, I couldn't find my timeline. And so I just said, fuck it. And I decided I was going to do a... A whole book of short stories Instead of putting them In chronological order I'm just like I don't know what the fucking order is I'm just going to throw it all In this book Right So this means That each story Is a personal essay Which means each story Needs to be able to read Like a single piece From beginning to end What ended up happening in that third draft is I had to repeat myself over and over again in each story about what had happened to my dad and about, you know, and it just didn't work. And then last summer at the beginning of last summer, and this is so fucking cheesy, but I I was on Instagram, Instagram, right? Because it's really, it's like really useful for so many things. Yeah, Um, Elizabeth Gilbert, huge inspiration love e pray love she's uh-huh. just like she's just incredible um she wrote this thing and it was basically a little post and it's like you don't even need to spend money on a writing workshop because i'm going to tell you how to do it right here and she said this is what you need <laughs> to do she said start from the beginning and don't stop till it's over and for some reason that clicked with you i had I never done chills. that i had never done that i always tried to mix and match everything and like i just because once you learn the craft too, you you realize that you can actually go between um, chapters, and it's just a series of scenes they don't always have to chronologically line up like it could be like something happened here and you're 14. And then the next chapter, you're 17. Yeah, you don't have to explain what happens in those three years, maybe a tiny bit of context, but I didn't know that. I only know that now, because I have studied so much of the craft of writing, right. So this is interesting, because when you educate yourself, again, it expedites your experience of like learning how to put things together. So um, in October, I started writing this whole thing all over again. And I took all the stories that I had from the beginning. And I started putting them on the page. And I added it all in and it ended up being like 265 pages or something. But it's like, okay, great. There's the scaffolding. Now, Uh what does it actually look like? And I had to go back. So here's the stories. I've got the stories. The stories are in this order. But now I have to go back and rewrite as the writer that I am now. yeah. And when you do that, what you start to see, because each time you discover something new, the more you learn about writing, the more you realize the story is actually in the details. And when you can really find out, because like my story, I didn't even know what my story was about in the beginning, right? I'm just telling it versus showing it. So then all of a sudden when you're showing a scene and you're showing the temperament on someone's face, you actually don't even need to say what the scene is about because you can convey it with the mood and with the atmosphere that you create Yeah, in you language. create that feeling so it's, it's like you can yeah. put yeah. someone in that room with you exactly yeah exactly and so um it's been totally fascinating i'm like oh my god i'm doing this so today i'm at page 200 i still have like 50 pages to go which i think i'm gonna be wow my goal is to be and i'm Actually, I had to throw my goals out the window because I really had this like serious timeline and I've never met the timeline and then I get bummed on myself and then I'm like, I feel self defeated by it. So now it's like it's going to happen when it's going to happen, but it's going to be finished in 2020. And it's by the end of the year, I want to have like I want to find out who my publisher is going to be. So I wanna be searching for publishers. Yeah, very cool. So people are like, oh, are you gonna you know, self-publish your book? Fuck no. At no, this point, I wouldn't have done big. what I did unless I was gonna write a New York Times bestselling book. Yeah. So that's what go I'm fucking going big. I can't <laughs>
1: wait to read. Yeah, some. I can't wait. Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm, Based on what
0: I've seen and what I've heard from you already is like so captivating and connected. It's just, it's amazing. And I've also, just to point out a fact that I recently learned is that Charles Darwin took like 32 years to write The Origin. Yep. So it's like, yeah, it's taking you four years, and you can change your goals and stuff, but like, get you're going to get it done, and it's going to be perfect when
2: it's ready. Well, every it's never going to be done. Like (laughs) real, no, because then there's going to be another one. Yeah, of course. But every published author that I've so the only the recently I stopped posting the snippets on instagram because all that's doing is asking people who are not writers oh god people who are not writers start asking me when is your book going to be finished and then i start getting into this whole Mm -hmm. diatribe of like i get actually annoyed and frustrated Mm -hmm. because anyone who's written a book would never fucking ask that because they know what a process it is and how it's never actually finished but anyone that's a published author that's like written a piece of art or literature that like they've poured themselves into when I tell them I'm in like my late third or fourth year they're like oh now you're there now you're close (laughs) you're arriving (laughs) but it takes five years I mean it literally takes takes like five years
1: you know that's and like
2: the best thing ever by the way it takes as long as it takes and it that's, takes that's, that's that's just the takes. truth
1: it just does one of my favorite authors and i know it's so like frat boy and douchey of me to love this author but i love chuck palinook a lot who wrote like fight club and things like that yeah
2: yeah whatever it's, it's great whatever you he's like a great writer like, yeah. it feels
1: very <laughs> li- much like a conversation like it's very like quick to the point he had a really good book um god i'm blanking on the name what's it called anyways it doesn't matter he he basically went back after it's been published and it was a hit went back i think it's like beautiful faces what was it called it doesn't matter and it's called remixed and he says it's a director's cut and remind me of what you said saying of the scene it felt very cinematic that you know he's like there's more i actually wanted to add to the story i actually wanted to tweak this he went back and like redid the book and it was like an even bigger hit
2: yeah and that you know that's just the thing is is once it's out it's out and Mm -hmm. Of course you could go back and rewrite it and and then publish like a new rendition on it But i'm so glad my first draft. I never did anything with it Like I would be in fucking embarrassed, you know, like I just that is not the draft that I would want to come out because as we've seen with the internet like once things go out they're out they're out there and I feel like This is something what i'm working on right now. Um I'm really going to piss off some people and I'm really going to piss off my family. Um,
1: Are they aware of this book?
2: Oh yeah. And
1: how do, have they expressed their opinions about you writing it?
2: Yeah, but it's more like anyone who can look deeper can see that through this, that I recognize the heroism of my mother. And there's a I. My mom is an alcoholic. so my mom had never had the capacity to attune to her children and was abusive and neglectful. And anyone who knows anything about developmental psychology, you like, fuck your kids up forever when you neglect them. It's called complex trauma, actually. And um, but because she was like that, I'm me. You know, like mm-hmm. i I got to actually turn out like this. And also, I share what she's been through which is transgenerational trauma. So like, even though I'm not using a lot of this languaging in my book, like I'm touching on these subjects. Like we're talking transgenerational trauma. We're talking shame. We're talking abuse. We're talking rape. We're talking, I mean, it's just like, these are the things that are real fucking life. And what happens with our family really does affect how we feel about ourselves, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that we're all carrying around a lot of shame, actually. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And grief. It's crazy for how things have turned out, or mm-hmm. not turned out. Or you I know. had a
1: family member growing up um, that sounds very similar to your brother, um, and it was just constant in and out of my house. Yeah. Um, going to juvenile hall, coming back home, going to mental hospital, coming back home, and it always would you know they would always end up going back to either the mental hospital, juvenile hall or jail because you know relapse steal from us yeah. violence whatever um and yeah it, it just like really resonates to me because it does you get this outcome of who you are today yeah. and what boundaries you have to learn to set up and and you and you really you know Yeah, it's traumatizing and
2: not everyone can transcend that, you know, and so it really is even though it's kind of cliche. It's like it's the hero's journey or it's a coming of age story. But like for me, yeah, some gnarly shit has happened, but like gnarly shit has happened to everyone. I try to tell my story with humor because that's what I always had because our. Life was so fucking intense that none of us actually wanted to address it. And the only thing that we skated around the, all the sharp edges of everything and we used humor Sarcosum as our tool. Deflict, yeah, deflect, exactly. Deflect, to be deflect. able to get through <laughs> And it served me well and also not served me, but like as a, I mean, I would say that my biggest influence for writing would be David Sedaris, who's like the most sarcastic writer I love on, him. and he's yeah. gay, I love him. <laughs> you know, he's the most sarcastic like person on the planet earth. And he is so self-deprecating with the stuff that happened in his family. But it's like, that's, that's, that's how I feel like yeah. Yeah. it's okay. Same. You know, these things have happened and you can get through it
1: and yeah. And, and is a powerful yeah. feeling and
2: you put on an
0: amazing writing class by the way mm. I was
1: so you put on a writing class yeah
0: so oh she gosh. did a writing class at rise and not gonna lie like my expectations for it were extremely low <laughs> nothing against you like, nothing against anybody Thank you <laughs> but I was like oh I'm gonna go to rise it's gonna be like six girls we're gonna sit around maybe we'll write something maybe we'll just get drunk I don't know it was be like
1: a book club kind no of I get in and
0: it's like legit seating Lauren is like hosting this thing I mean, she She's, like, telling us how to write. She gives us prompts, which was genius. The prompts make it so much easier. And it just felt very structured but also loose. And, like, I wasn't as vulnerable. It was vulnerable but, like, also safe. Oh, So it was, like, I was willing to be open with people in the room because they felt safe because we were all there
2: kind of with similar goals. I don't know. It was great. You were so essential to the fabric of that class because you were the person... Making jokes. Oh, yeah. So they're always like every, I I lead these classes. They're not even classes, actually. I call them whiskey and write. I don't teach writing classes. I Uh teach, I hold the space for creativity people to just express themselves yeah that's really what it is and it's fun and the only reason people are always like like the last one i did um people are like are you gonna they're called whiskey and right which really i just like the alliteration of the w's yeah. which is why mm-hmm. i was like i guess we're doing whiskey and write." and people are like are you gonna tell us about the whiskey no, no. i'm not it has Weird. nothing it's really just about the oh, writing okay. we throw like the like whiskey the in place. there and i just like the title you know yeah. but it's it i find that like so many people want a safe place to express themselves and when you have someone that helps you organize your experience, it makes a big difference. Like people are like, I'm so inspired because they're not inspired by me. They're just inspired by their own experience of what comes out of them. And that's what inspires them. It's like, it gives them,
1: it's an an opportunity to give them time to express themselves where we don't do that. If we, so many people are afraid of their own creativity and their own expression because, you know, we were talking about being addicted to the chaos and work, work, work. And it's like, if you, I used to draw every single day. I used I, I used to I used to do something creative every day. And then I stopped doing it because I thought there's always something better I could be doing, mm-hmm. something more productive I could be doing. And you know I still get stuck in that state of mind every now and again. But workshops, um, spaces that are created like you like you had at Rise with yeah. the writing, um. It's an opportunity for people to press pause and to express themselves in a in a way that they don't feel guilty for doing yeah. so. For some reason, yeah, well, well, and empowered.
2: also also to go back to what inherently is already yours to begin with. Because if you think about a child, like. A child on the floor and you put there they have like a bunch of legos and blocks and shit in front of them like never not ever one time are you going to put blocks down in front of a kid and they're going to be like i don't want to play with them right now no they're just going to take them and they're going to put them together in all sorts of different ways and then they're going to take them apart and then they're going put to them, put them together in a new way and they're going to make shit because that's what we were born for to make shit it's
1: inspiring watching so, i have my i'm so close to my niece and nephews they inspire me because you put the blocks in front of them, they see potential for dinosaurs and cars and castles and houses. That's what I mean. It's amazing. They're also not
0: afraid to like fail. I recently shared a quote on my creative Instagram and it was just like, don't be afraid to suck at something new. Like yeah. if you're afraid to suck at snowboarding, if you're afraid to snu- suck at riding, then you wouldn't be on the journey that you're on right now. No, and you got to start somewhere. You And, you somewhere. Like, you, and, and it's, it's freeing. Fun. It's super yeah. freeing to suck at
2: something. It's low stakes. That's how I feel. But I'm like yeah. dope. That's so how I feel. Excited. And even with the writing, it's just been like, I think I'm pretty, I'm doing pretty good at this point, but like, it'll be interesting to see. Also this evolution is in like four or five years. And that, it's like, okay, so what happens when you're devoted and disciplined?
1: You get shit done.
2: And beautiful things happen, you know? But and you it's have like, something
0: that's going to live on past you. Like, I always talk about my, yeah. my boyfriend is a musician and we just we talk a lot about what we've done with our lives and we were talking about the decade and like what we've done with our 10 years or something and he got the chance to talk about his decade and he was like well i wrote three original albums mm. one of them that's on a vinyl lot of work. vinyl. Yeah. three of them are on cds on spotify and i on itunes he's created like 10 music v- videos like it's these things that like will stay to like forever it's you know? a legacy it's yeah. a legacy it's something that we can play for our children one day it's something that he's like literally created almost in stone you know yeah yeah and that's huge it
2: is and i do think that we don't so one of the my particular i did like a bunch of different yoga training but this one training which i really feel like is the the Meat and potatoes of my training was what is called Anyasara. And Anyasara was based off of these universal principles of alignment. And the first universal principle of alignment is this idea or philosophy of open to grace. So it's like this umbrella. And underneath the umbrella, like the first thing is remember what's good. And I think it's so important to remember how far we've come. Mm-hmm. Because it's like thinking about that thinking about where I was 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago like that I would be right here living in Ohio, doing what I love like I have amazing friends I have an amazing husband and I built this life. And I'm doing, like, I have broken the patterns of my family by doing what I'm doing. I'm the first person to be making, not that I'm, like, trying to brag about how much money I'm making, but, like, I made $100,000 last year, well, over $100,000. And that was, like... No one in my family has ever done that. That's not even. And what we know is only relative to what we've been exposed to. So Mm -hmm. like growing up, I was like, I'll never be able to buy a house. I'll always be poor. I'll always because that was the way the world is. That's how I I was raised. Yeah, that was how I was was raised. So it's incredible to see because not that I don't define my success on like how much money I can make, how much money I'm making, but like I'm doing what I love and I'm actually being able to live my life. And for me, that's success. You know, I recently had some lady, I um, consult people on how to build a co-op because I built a successful co-op. The woman asked me, well, how do you know it's successful? I'm like, because everyone is happy and everyone keeps coming back over and over again and paying their rent to be there. That's it. It's not like, it's not because I'm making (laughs) a billion dollars. You know, it's because people are happy and I'm happy and I'm not overly stressed about it and it's working and we can pay the bills and I make money. That's fucking awesome.
1: So awesome. I love your balance between, between, you know, the cold hard facts of something and also the beauty love and spirituality of things. I've noticed that with you that, you know, you are so in tune with, with, you know, the metaphysical side, but you are so not like woo woo out there. You're like uh, the, you know, I made this amount of money, and my family has never had that amount, and that's a cold hard fact. And yeah. good for, and that's amazing, and that's inspiring. But also, I
0: get to feel but good. But then every you're day. also, yeah.
1: but then you're like, but then you say, you know, like the, the way I know that it's successful is that everybody's happy. It's such yeah. a beautiful. There's balance just gotta you have be, the yeah. Two.
2: There's just gotta that has to be there, and it's like. Oh, man, if it wasn't for like how I've turned out as a combination of where I've come from and also the things that I've studied over and over again, that have ultimately that I've practiced, that have grown, that have become true, mm-hmm. I wanted to, you know, 15 years ago. More than that. God, I how old am I? Like, when I was 18 years old, I'm like, I want to teach yoga. And I want to lead retreats. And I want to have my own business. And I want to make a living, you know, teaching these trainings. And like, I did all of that. I've owned five yoga studios. Like I've I did it, you know, now my dreams have changed. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Now I wanna write a New York Times bestselling book. Now I wanna be a author. Now I want you know, it's like You're limitless. It's, Isn't I just keep cool. like it's, yeah. it's evolved, you know. It's so like, okay, did that. You, cool, moving on. You get one life. Yeah. Fucking excuse You can do so many. And it's really interesting now because there's so much science on the things that are actually um. Making us age faster and like the avoidance of those things or how to turn on your longevity genes to be able to live longer And like we're talking (laughs) I got to know many things like for example Biological stress every single day Which means get in an ice bath Like when you're talking about Pouring the ice down your back And being like uh, Like you need to have that Like Ugh.
1: You're like I literally will now Pour ice yes. water down my back Because i like cold showers People are like crazy about that
2: That's them. it It's not just pouring ice down your back Like you literally need to Cryo like Chirotherapy What is it called? You, well or Like <laughs> Wim Hof method Like literally sit in an ice bath Or take a cold Like really cold shower For two minutes
1: To stress your
2: Yeah So the stress The biological stress Like everyday putting your not chronic stress like a little bit of biological stress every single day Dip actually your turns stress. on yes exactly little more than that um but turns on this process of what's called hormesis and it actually turns on your longevity genes in yourself wow. does that have to do with
0: because like biologically we're animals so previously we were induced to a lot more stress because it was
2: like you had exactly. to be more aware so now it's like we well because what happens if you're not way, aware you get killed exactly so when you run really fast it actually like you have to go longer right hunter-gatherer days like this is now what the the this idea of a runner's high actually comes from our hunter-gatherer days are like Mm -hmm. long long ago ancestors of having to you know run across the tundra for a very long period of time to be able to find food the people who could had the most endurance and who could go the longest actually were the ones who would end up being able to feed themselves and their families. So Mm -hmm. it's like, by making that run, you get the reward, which is the survival.
1: It all goes back to that, in my opinion. I'm really into early human history. It's like a nerdy thing about me. I, Ooh, I love, love that. Learning about it. And I believe that creativity comes from that because Absolutely. tools. Oh, of course. Um, making
2: colors, ingenuity. Making, That's what, by the way, making. creativity means to make. Yeah. Yep.
1: No, making straight things, up. Doesn't matter what you make. What did I say?
0: Make muffins. I said we were talking about if you strip away everything in life, what is life for? And I said, creating. Yeah. Community,
1: Community, creating, creating, moving your body. Yeah. These are the things that kept us alive. Yeah. You know, um, beauty. Even you look at something that is beautiful. It means it's healthy for us. I'm talking about, a lush landscape, it means that it's gonna bear. Well, it does something to
2: our biophysiology. Because of that,
1: we see we see, you know, things that are symmetrical, it means that it's generally not going to kill us. It's not poisonous. It's something that we can do you know what I mean? Yeah. This is the shit. Nothing is symmetrical.
2: Like in nature, nothing. It's actually this concept called chirality. Like if you try to go outside and look at anything that's not synthetic, nothing is symmetrical.
1: Which, which is, is an totally extent, fascinating though, like, like imagine a leaf isn't it mostly symmetrical
2: take a leaf sure, look but at the it leaf on, yeah no it's not symmetrical really look at the leaf it might look a little symmetrical but once you this is the process of uh-huh. writing this is what yoga is too. look at the details Examine. and when you really look at the details and you investigate what's going on you're going to find it's not what you thought it was Ooh. from the outside it might look this right. line is here and no and then when you get up close it's like there's little veins over here and then there's no they're just and nothing for the most
1: for the most part the whole thing about beauty and health and things like that stems from you know clear eyes clear skin I, you want you are attracted to something that's healthy and looks like they have a of long course. life you know yep. what i mean and that's where Absolutely. most of our beauty standards come from before they got all tweaked and photoshopped yeah. and you know
2: yeah, the the word inspiration actually means to breathe life into because it means to breathe in, inspirare,
1: uh-huh.
2: expirare to breathe life out.
1: I did you did expire. you um, develop this kind of skill of breaking down words during your writing process, or is this something that interested you before?
2: Yeah, I think it actually. I think it's actually helped in my writing because I'm really into the etymological. Um, Dismantling of words like I want to understand Where they come from yeah. um, It was actually before writing it was like I Always have been interested in yoga themes So during class like you want to really Capture people's do we have time How much longer Should kill it okay Um. You want to it's one thing to do the posture work right and that's really amazing Mm -hmm. but where you really can captivate people's wholeness is when you can captivate their imagination as well and so for me I can't just teach the physical I have to teach something that activates people's imaginations and people's hearts and people's spirituality which is like now I've realized I never realized this before but like that's an art to be able to do all of those things simultaneously so I would start like every class I would used to teach so many yoga classes um, i would have a theme and then that theme would weave into the way i was teaching postures and because then you capture people's physical bodies but you capture their imagination too now i use humor like now i can be myself because i've been doing this shit for so long i know it it's not just like shit i'm regurgitating it's like it lives inside of me so something happens and something can come out because i know it so well
1: the way in this conversation alone There's been a handful of times where you've broken down words and it has really added seasoning to the meal that is this conversation mm, do you know what I mean cool. it's really like
0: well it's another way to slow down like every time we're trying to move yeah. past we'll say a word she goes no let's break this word down really quick
1: I'll never look at discipline It's the interesting.
0: Same way. let's light the bulb like let's connect it to exactly. something else so, well that's what cognitive that's like you're thinking critically that you're making us think critically that's what that is it's taking something to be able to connect it to another thing you're trying to get like the breakdown for us to like see the bigger picture of
2: yeah it. and the antidote I mean, again, this comes, this is mindfulness and writing. The antidote to boredom is to be curious and to keep things interesting. So like a lot of people that teach yoga, they start teaching all these like crazy complicated poses because they don't have anything else that they can offer to it. So they're like, well, if I just make it really complicating and complicated and reinvent the wheel, then it then it actually showcase it, it, it doesn't you can't tell that I actually don't know what the fuck I'm talking right. about pretty much, you know? Right. Um. So wait, what were we just talking about? I got distracted
1: there. We're just talking about words
2: uh, and you being amazing, but Aww, that's
1: just guys. about the fact that you, you really have a gift of challenging people to be them best selves, I think. And that comes mentally and physically. I, I can sense that you have this gift where you want people to stop, be conscious of what you're doing, be conscious yeah. of what you're thinking and saying, be conscious of how you're, reacting to this situation yeah and i think that that's that's amazing
2: well because i have seen the impact on myself if i hadn't if i didn't like if i didn't if it didn't work for me like it had if it hadn't been functional if it hasn't changed my life like because here's the thing when i went through therapy and my therapist said you have ptsd And then I'm like, what the fuck is PTSD? And then I had to go and research PTSD and deconstruct it. If it wasn't for doing that, I wouldn't. Once I did that, I started to understand this is what this thing is. This is what it does to your body. And this is how you can heal. Before that, it was just this concept that was ungraspable and unknowable. As soon as I knew what it was and how it affected me and how I could heal myself, I healed it. I mean, it's still there. PTSD is always there. I don't think you ever
1: actually, but you've been able to address it and manage it in a sense. That's it. And
2: you're not willing to talk to something unless you
0: know that it works has worked for you in your body. Exactly. Exactly. Which is important.
1: Everything that you are. I don't even want to say I'm not gonna say the word preaching everything that you are yeah I hate that word yeah I know I hate (laughs) it too um I everything that you are talking about as far as your experiences goes and almost advice in a sense it doesn't feel like advice because you're telling your experience and it's very easy to relate to yeah and you're saying this is how I coped it that you are not once saying you know you have to do this because this is going to help you with this you are saying you know I do this breathing technique when I'm on the 405 and that's what yeah. gets me through it. And it makes me, you immediately. And inspire. then you're able
0: to back it up. Like what we were talking about before with the whimsical and the science. Yeah. With being like, yeah, this makes me feel great, but actually it's pushing pressure down. Is, my, it's like, here's the science behind it, why it works. Yeah. And
2: it goes way beyond what uh, yeah. I actually talked about. Which, yeah. like, we don't even have time to get into the system we on don't. this podcast. Um, But yeah, I just like I don't know. I guess my husband always says to me He doesn't know how I have so much information in my brain But i'm like someone I have like 10 stacks of books and i'm reading multiple things simultaneously because We are multi-dimensional. I have the serious side. I have um, you know the part of me that wants to read like fiction because I just want to like drown my brain in something that is not real um I am an educator so I want to educate people so I have my educational book on you know um no mind no problem which is a buddhist book and a, a neurophysiological <laughs> book. Um so you know it's just like I feel like I we're all actually lifelong learners and I do feel like that's when we're going to be in our best state is when we're actually like learning about ourselves and learning about the world because the more we learn the more we actually see what we want to be or the potential or the capacity of what we want to be, that's amazing, right? Because how I grew up, I only thought I could be one way and that's why I'm so, I feel like that really is an underlying theme of my book too. Like, things can change in a moment.
1: Yeah. Real time. And they're constantly changing. Well,
2: they are, but like, you can be anything you want to be, but you have to be willing to put in the work. Mm
1: -hmm. And like, I wouldn't, I'm not, oh my God, I do all
2: sorts of fucked up shit. You heard me, Read the first, yes, which is in my book. So and my husband knows. So sorry, babe.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, I'm very curious. I we have to read this even, book. Well, You
2: have it. to read the yeah, book. Yeah, read it. Yeah. All right, so we can look out for the yeah. book in yeah, 2020. Yeah. 20. Well, I would say this year is going to go into finding my publisher. Okay. okay. But next year will be out. Yeah, it, 2021.
1: I cannot even wait. And Shit
2: house. You're teaching yoga at 9 yep. a.m. at Light and Space yep. on Sundays. Yep. Yep. And you're back in San Diego. Do you teach a class in San Diego too? Yeah. So I own other Encinitas and you just would have to look on the schedule yeah. to see what I'm teaching all because good. I'm always all over
1: the place. I want there. to come to your class. So
2: we should go. I was trying to convince Kaylee, but Kaylee
0: was, we were both just really sore from her.
1: Serious core work.
0: I. That's Serious what I said. <laughs> that's what I told her. I said it's a lot of core work and we had done a lot of core that week already and we yeah. were both dying. So she was like, I'm not. I have Everyone next week, next should do week.
2: core work though. And by the no, way, it's not all core work. It's just like a everything lot. should be
1: integrated. Well, me again. and Kaylee will. Kaylee will, will we'll want go. me to do it. She wants me to do anything. That we'll go.
2: Love you long time yes bye. thank you so much for being here thank you, right. thank you. Okay. bye guys bye. <laughs>